Delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlcpod. They bring the show to you. So many more new ones just this last week. I'm so pleased. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support for making the show possible. In return, patrons get some cool perks, including ad-free episodes, video versions of the show, and... Bonus content in the form of a complete season of Feeling This, the show where Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talk about the feeling behind video games. Stay tuned for season two coming around the corner. Also, at the, uh, at the Cool Ranch tier, you get the Wednesday show, what we call the Paid DLC program, which features Christian Spicer, myself, and Lana Bashinsky hanging out, talking about all kinds of off-the-wall topics. It's good fun. You can get all that by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who's back in Los Angeles, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I am, uh, I brought my Wyoming beard with me. I was like, I'm going to, oh. I'm going to keep this. Well, I'm going to well. start looking more like Jeff. I got some glasses coming. I'm, uh, I mean, it's not a Colorado beard. Off. It's a Wyoming beard. It's not a Colorado beard. <laughs> I mean, but that I got to start it somewhere yeah. and then I'm going to, I'm going to single white female you. So I look forward to next week's show where it's me doing your voices. <laughs> well, you're going to need a lot more gray in that beard, my friend, if you want to pass as me. It's, uh, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Hey, you know, it is pretty. Uh, the fact that we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, it was CES last week. A lot of cool announcements there that relate to the video game world. We got some games to dig into and. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because DLC stands for direct to his live community. Because while you may know him from Rooster Teeth's Fun House, Inside Gaming, or Attack of the Show, he's now exclusively on Twitch and YouTube, making content directly for his audience. It's Bruce Green joining us for the first time hey bruce oh my god guys what an unbelievable intro <laughs> that was so <laughs> nice jeez I, th- I also thought jeff i thought you were gonna say uh and now speaking of pretty things bruce green and i was gonna go wow thank that you too. that too okay. yeah i mean if nothing look at look at the quality of his video if you're not on the video version of the show ladies and gentlemen if you're not a patron you're missing out on a, a beautiful image that bruce is uh gracing us with thank you bruce i mean also yeah, just progression you. of like beard quality i have like yeah, yeah. shave for a week jeff is like i've had it for a long time it's groomed but he self says it's gray and then bruce is just like a pow 
I brought, wow. Yeah. I brought the Montana beard is what I brought. That's the, yeah, that's the big uh, one. Oh, look at us. All of our middle America beard uh, varietals. We've got varietals up in here. Uh, I want to thank, um, I want to thank uh, over on the Discord, Zomino is the one that suggested we reach out to Bruce and invite him on the show this week. We've been getting lots of really awesome suggestions for guests for 2023. Thank you, Discord. Thank you, people who are emailing us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Thank you for the people that are posting it on the on the subreddit. Uh, we appreciate that. I, I love uh, being uh, pointed to and reminded of people to bring on the show. And super excited to have you here, Bruce, a fan of the stuff that you do online. Um, so thanks. Thanks for being here. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll thank Zamino directly for, for suggesting me because I'm, I was honored. Like, when, like I said, when you reached out, Jeff, I was like, oh, wow. Like just kind of out of the blue, like let's, yeah, let's do it. I'm in. And, uh, we were just talking before the podcast, Jeff and I, I think, I think briefly met in person before the pandemic, maybe in the and before times. Yeah. The long, long time before, uh, the world uh, cha- changed a lot. <laughs> Um, and I don't remember, I don't even remember why we met, but I just remember very briefly meeting you. And so when I saw your name in, in on Twitter, I was like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, let's do it. So, so great, man. I'm, I'm glad to, uh, to pick up our, our, our friendship here and, uh, you, have you yeah. on the show. Let's, uh, let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you can send comments or questions, guest suggestions, all kinds of stuff, anything you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also visit our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com or... Our Discord, which is 5x5DLC on Discord as well. Great communities, fun folks hanging out, talking about games and all sorts of stuff. I encourage you to check it out. But Bruce, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Man, oh man. You know, I, while I don't know, I wanted to hear your guys' insights, actually, because I was interested about this. But I, I think the Wizards of the Coast canceling five unannounced games that was massive news and it seemed to a lot of people to me uh i kind of follow that stuff a little bit on the sidelines but i don't necessarily dig into it and i wanted to hear your guys's analysis of this because it seems like a major deal <laughs> yeah i wasn't it, sure people were well, really upset <laughs> so uh, you know wizards of the coast had been uh doing a, a major push into publishing uh video games obviously baldur's gate 3 which is oh, yeah. studios is upcoming uh full Great release yeah yeah, being being published by them, and and uh, evidently this is not that game is not affected by this. Okay. Uh, but these are five other games that Wizards of the Coast evidently had in active development at a number of studios, uh, according to Forbes. Uh, studios that are possibly impacted include Other Side Entertainment and Hidden Path Entertainment. Um, I'm we hear, or at least according to the reports. About 15 people were laid off because of these cancellations, which is a, a pretty small number, but still not insignificant. And um, it, it, uh, it, it's a bunch of games that we don't really know what they were, but obviously related to Dungeons and Dragons in some way. And it represents a real uh, shift in, in what Wizards of the Coast is going to be doing as far as um, video game content. Now, 
We don't know how many other games they may have coming and what this means, but uh, evidently the two uh, two games that had that uh, were listed in development for Other Side Entertainment were Thick as Thieves, which is um, um, you know we don't know much about, and then an immersive sim called Argos Riders on the Storm, which was actually being led by Warren Spector of all people. Oh wow! Um, so we don't know if those are the games. So there's a lot of unknowns here, but it's clearly a shift in uh, wizard strategy, or at least a, a, maybe a, a contraction of what they were uh, intending to do as far as uh, digital entertainment. Uh, there's a statement that Wizards of the Coast gave to IGN that says uh, Wizards uh, is, quote, still committed to using digital games as a cornerstone of its strategy for bringing its games to players around the world. Uh, but the cancellations are part of changes being made to the company's, quote, long-term portfolio which will focus on games strategically aligned with existing brands and those that, quote, show promise. So that's a lot of vague doublespeak, yeah. <laughs> meaning, hey, we, we didn't want to spend the money for these games. But it's also alongside news that I think is going to have major ripple effects that their open games license for D&D is having major changes to it that's basically going to change the way people are able to, or if people are able to make video games that use the D&D rule set, make podcasts, make books, make any, anything that isn't actually a, another tabletop game. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, now you're going to have to pay royalties and you can't use that stuff. So Wizards is changing a lot of stuff. And Bruce, it sounds like um, you, know, you see this as a big deal. Yeah, well, it, it's this is something that unfortunately is becoming pretty commonplace right now because of the economy and because of the world economy. And this is just happening everywhere where lots of companies are laying people off and and sort of retracting things. And they just have they're trying to save money is what it boils down to. Um, so we're this is not the last time we're going to see a story like this. Um, however, the stuff like with the OGL that you just talked about, that's the stuff that really bugs me and I think everybody else because... It's what keeps D&D alive. I think most people would probably say the third-party license is kind of what everybody gets to use and has fun with. And like, obviously, we'd love to see the first-party stuff. But that third-party license is, you know, I'm sure we could all speak to this personally. We all have friends and coworkers, and colleagues that have been making content based on D&D for 20 years, 30 years. Yeah. And yeah, once you start charging for that stuff, I, that, man, that really ruins the community. So it's, I, I hope, I hope that's not what happens. I hope they sort of that you know whatever they change the rules they need to i guess but i just want them to make sure they don't destroy the creativity around that i agree 100 percent. i mean this is really worrisome to me um as somebody that you know did a a, a live stream D show for three years um, a live stream tabletop role-playing game <laughs> show for three years come on yeah, well i think you make you make an important distinction because i think the knock-on effect of, of something like this is potentially that another D20 system or another system mm. entirely can usurp D&D as the sort of de facto standard for tabletop role-playing. Because part of the, I mean, I think Bruce is speaking to this directly, part of the reason that Dungeons & Dragons has become the mainstay that it has become over the last 10, 15 years is because they allowed people to do stuff with it and they didn't charge them. 
And so it became – And it those be- people also would freely attribute, right? Because it, it didn't need to be under the table. It would be like right. – we're doing a let's play D and D campaign with a campaign I wrote and my friends, and you'd have celebrities doing D and D campaigns with their, especially during COVID. I feel like it, it blew up even more than it did. Right. And, you know, obviously critical role and Jeff and dungeon run and everything that every gaming community. And it's as you kind of build out that community does again. Yeah. It was never a, a secret because it didn't need to be. It wasn't like, we'll never tell you what engine we're using for our machinima. It's, you know, it's like, this is D and D. How awesome is D&D? And now it, it seems like it might not be able to be that anymore. Yeah. It, remind, it reminds me a lot of uh, Vampire the Masquerade. I don't know if you saw what they were doing recently, but they recently opened up their license to video games and a bunch of other things that you could make with Vampire the Masquerade. And it just exploded. They uh, like, I don't know if you played Blood Hunt. It was that battle royale that was vampire based, Vampire <clears> the Masquerade based. They did, they've been making Vampire the Masquerade narrative games because they made that license. Like, I think it's, free um and you could just do with it what you wanted to um and so there was an explosion of creativity and honestly it brought a lot more visibility to that license and i thought it was a super smart move by vampire the masquerade to do that uh yeah and so when you see the opposite happening it's it's so weird because i think we all can look at each other and be like this is the this is a bad move this is the wrong decision but for some reason (laughs) there's whatever 20 executives somewhere that are like no, we need this $1 million. <laughs> like, yeah, well, clearly okay. they see money money on the table, right? That's what they see. Yeah. And it, I mean, the truth is there's a lot of people making money on the back of D&D. That's, that's undeniable, right? That's, that's the case. But I think the corollary to that is D&D makes a lot of money because all these other people are spreading the good word of the of D&D. And it, and if you if you think tabletop role playing game, you think Dungeons and Dragons. It's the thing and I think you know, it it, it won't happen overnight, but there's certainly an opportunity for someone like Vampire the Masquerade or whomever to step in and allow, you know, fill that void of free and allow people to make things and build things and create stuff on its back and kind of usurp the the throne, as it were. Um, and I, I think that's a real possibility here. I mean, again, won't happen overnight because D&D has huge mind share. But I also wonder, Bruce, about something like Pathfinder, which exists because... Of the open game license. That's why Pathfinder exists. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just don't, I, it's so short-sighted. It's always so short-sighted and, and like allow me to, I'm not going to play devil's advocate too much here, but just on the other side of this, let's say that, uh, the D and D license means that 50 people get to keep their jobs. So if they make it no longer free for the OGL, then, 50 other people get to keep their jobs and they're like, well, we either have these jobs or we keep the OGL free. I I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, it's just, to me, it's always been so short-sighted being in this industry for so long. I watched the same things happen where creatives, uh, we all go, oh man, like kind of like hang our heads and be like, this is not the right move. And then it's like the beginning of the end type thing. Five years yeah. down the line, we all go like, whatever happened? Why, why don't we do D and D anymore? <laughs> you know, like, 
And that's what it was. So. It does feel like uh, there are a lot of these cases of the thing that brought you to the dance, you know, isn't the thing that you, you <laughs> I'm mixing my metaphors, but you know, you abandon the thing that got you there. And it's like, what are you thinking? I, you get blind to the fact that that's part of the your secret of your success is doing that. Um, I, I do wonder, and this is like, we're very much, uh, I still feel like we're in knee jerk territory here. Like this isn't breaking news. We didn't just read this, you know, as we sat down to, to come chat, but still kind of knee jerk breaking news time for this and how it relates to video games or, or, you know, let's play tabletop style scenarios. And I, I wonder how lenient they're going to be and also to what extent this maybe felt necessary putting on my former attorney hat of protecting this because again i haven't done a deep dive in this you all are far more knowledgeable and most of our audience than i am too as well as like the history of dnd and i've always it's always been on the periphery for me i've played with some friends but i've never done a, a full deep dive but i have found the intellectual property of the idea of a rule set fascinating because code, you can have, you know, as a copyright for that, it's written thing, you've written actual this type of rule set. But then as that expands out, what is the core of what's protectable? And again, I don't know. I'm just speculating here in audience, you know, chime in and tell me how I'm wrong. But I do think there's perhaps something interesting about D&D looking and going Hasbro, I should say, right? Because it's Wizards of the Coast, which right. is owned by Hasbro, um, which is probably owned by somebody else at some point uh, <laughs> or soon soon to be. Um looking at this and saying we need to do a better job of protecting this, whether we have the open game license or not something. And I know Microsoft went through this a lot with Halo Machinima where it was like, we don't care. We support it. This makes Halo the biggest it is. And then eventually they came out and they were like, we have to put out these rules. We're not shutting down any of the people that are doing stuff, but PS here's the rules you have to follow because without that, they were afraid of the cart, getting in front of the horse. And I think we've kind of ended up in that world a little bit with live streaming video games. You know, it's no one's had the need to really litigate it as far as it can go. But I, you have seen takedowns of like me talking over uh Sunday night football, for example, or something like that. The NFL would be like, no, that's not okay. And now you have people like Jeff Keeley, I think very smartly saying, yes, co-stream my broadcasts. But being explicit about saying it's allowed versus just allowing it. And so I think, I don't know, but I feel like there could be a little bit of that going on as Hasbro is trying to, they're launching a major D&D movie. They have their own games properties. Mm-hmm. They're shutting some of this stuff down. They're seeing all of this stuff. And I wonder if it's a, you know, don't call it a Kleenex, even though we've let you call it a Kleenex for <laughs> decades at well, this point. Well, uh, yeah. let's be clear. I, I should have framed this a bit better for people that aren't following this. This is a leak of what Wizards's uh proposal for the OGL 1.1 update will be. This isn't official yet. Um and someone might we, be on the fishing reel pulling it back in as it, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. But all and it's getting a lot of blowback, but also Christian, it's really not according to this leak it's really not the way you're describing it of like, we just need to have more rules. It's really like, we want your money. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, the, that's the, the, the real truth of it is if you make the, if you make money on our thing with video games, books, all these ancillary things that aren't a tabletop game, we get that. We get a slice, we get a cut. Um, 
And Man. that's that's really the change. So it isn't like, oh, we just want to have a little more control. It's it's we want our cut. And, you know, I obviously, as I said, I can understand that people are making money on the back of this thing. And you go, hey, well, why why do we just let them have all their money on the back of our intellectual property? I can understand that perspective, but I think we've, you know, we've enumerated why it's also beneficial for wizards. The, you know, we've kind of moved away a little bit from our jumping off point, which is, you know, these five games that were canceled. But I think, I think these two things work in parallel and are baffling to me on another level because it feels like, hey, if you're making video games based on a Dungeons and Dragons or a Dungeons and Dragons type rule set, we're, we now want a slice of that, but also we're not going to pay to make our own D and D games. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is, again, this is, it's what, what I had mentioned earlier. It's, it's just, we're going to see a lot of this. We're going to see a lot of this. We're going to see a, a lot of major companies trying, figuring out ways to save money. Yeah. Um, and it is, again, I, I can only say this so many times that it's so short sighted. I'm glad Christian brought up the live streaming video games and like putting your video game, like your gameplay on YouTube because YouTube has been going through this for 15 years. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, you probably remember this where Nintendo used to strike Nintendo gameplay on YouTube. And they did this because they were like, no, you're not allowed to play our games uh, unless we are getting all the money. Um, And then they were like, we're going to make our own affiliate programs. You can be a Nintendo affiliate. And then they were like, this is stupid. What are we doing? We're striking everybody. We're giving them copyright, uh, you know, notices, blah, blah, blah. Never mind. Just screw it. Play our games. Do whatever you want. And that feels to me like what this is. This is like them reaching in and being like, hey, how, how, how do you think the community is going to respond to this? <laughs> and when they get up, when everybody gets upset, they'll be like, you know what? Never mind. We'll bring it back a little bit. Uh, we'll just, just take a little time, a little piece. And then everyone's going to be upset again. And they'll be like, never mind. Never mind. Just play. Just play D&D. Just, just have fun. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it could potentially affect a lot of people, um, a lot of crowd funders, you know, I guess the um, uh, Kickstarter's director of games uh, spoke out about it. Um, I mean, there's a 25% royalty for any amount of money over 750,000 that anybody makes on any crowdfunded site that that uh, Wizards wants. Um, So I don't know. I mean... This could this could affect uh, a lot of a lot of things, you know. A, a video game that kind of uses D and D type uh, stuff. We'll see. I do. I I wonder. And again, very early days, and these things are easier said than done. As the, the example I'm about to use, I think will prove. But I do wonder if someone is sitting there, you know, with the mastodon is to Twitter of rule sets for D and D or the Linux. To, and I guess that's another example that didn't catch on, right? Like it's not as big as Windows or Mac OS, but it is the, hey, open source, anybody can go and use this thing. And I'm curious what that would look like for um, a tabletop style game and how supportive the community would be of something like that, where it, it is just, yeah, here's the bones. Anyone can use this. It's a great jumping off point. And if that can can pick up steam and people right. can agree and it can be different enough yeah, that D and D doesn't shut it down. Or, yeah, and then yeah. that thing could become, like I said, the new de facto standard. I think there's a opportunity there if if this really becomes as oppressive as it hints at potentially being. Anyway, pretty interesting, pretty interesting stuff. Um, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? 
Well, my story of the week, I think, is like one of your predictions from last year, Jeff. Uh, you know, I think I'm a little early with my my story of the week, but my story of the week is uh, another VR headset is announced, and how many VR headsets can Jeff own before his wife divorces him? I think is my. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell her. Do not. Oh, I'm not. She, she's not listening. She's you out want, of town right now. <laughs> you want to live in a different reality so bad, Jeff? How about this reality? You've been served. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Too you can visit Christian. the kids through one of your headsets, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> well, the good um, news is I have enough headsets for each of the kids to have one. <laughs> take this before, take this when you go. It's our lifeline. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, one child who I remain nameless, you get the low res version. But, uh, <laughs> Daddy looks better as he gets older in that one. So you're okay. Um, this is to, I want to make this my story of the week. It's HTC announcing their Vive XR Elite headset which is their wireless all-in-one vr headset and we had hinted at this i think maybe before even we did our end of year kind of favorites of the year and prediction our annual because htc you know seemed to kind of get ahead of it and be like hey we have this thing but we'll talk more about it at ces well ces has happened this thing has come out you and i were, were texting about it yes and i i find it fascinating um for a few reasons. One is that HTC is still very much alive in this VR space, right? There were rumors that, you know, oh, it's not profitable for them and, you know, blah, 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 VR's mm-hmm. dead, all of those things. But then two, kind of the area of next VR headset we're in right now. You know, it's like uh, going from DevKit 1 to the first Quest or first Oculus felt like that was a jump. And then we got the Quest, and it was like, ooh, wireless, that's a jump. PSVR to PSVR 2 apparently seems like a jump. But now I'm not sure where we are, where these specs, it seems to me very similar to the Quest 2 headset, but with more software stuff and more outside, like bringing the real world in, better AR tech. But a price point, it's over, what is it, uh, 1100 bucks. Yeah. That seems maybe more expensive for the, the jump in quality you get. But is that just the space that we're in now? We're going to be in this like everything's a little bit better than last time, but we're not seeing those huge jumps. I'm curious your thoughts on it, Jeff, because I, I find it a fascinating device from what was leaked to kind of what we're getting here in, in 2023 now. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty, a pretty exciting piece of tech as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I may have pre-ordered one. Even though I probably shouldn't have wow, um, already. Yeah, I know. I'm a sucker for this stuff. Uh, I mean, literally, I I shouldn't have. I'm like, seriously, don't tell my wife. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks really cool. So there's a number of things. The biggest, the biggest thing that I have to check before I, I decide whether or not I'm going to cancel this pre-order because I I was very impulsive when I was announced. Like, this looks awesome. Click. Um, is uh, whether or not I can actually uh, use it. Because it, the form factor is really slick. It, it, it is much more compact. It's meant to be portable. It comes, I don't think it comes with it, but it is, it, they also sell a little, uh, like a tube that's a carrying case for the thing and it kind of folds in and it's, it's very slick. The battery can be hot swapped and all these things. Yeah, you can have it, it's a, made to be standalone or plugged into a, a PC. Um, and if you plug it into the PC, you can remove the battery, which is on the back. Um, they, they, and they talk about using that as a way to sort of, uh, you can watch movies on a plane and lean your head back on the, on the headrest and stuff like that. But 
the 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 goggle of it uh much more uh compact and smaller than any of the vr headsets we've seen but the bad news is if you wear glasses evidently according to all the people who've had hands-on or face-on at uh, ces very uncomfortable not meant to be worn with glasses and now as a person who post eye surgery wears glasses um I'm I'm worried about that, but they they have diopters built in that work up to a negative six prescription, and I just don't know wild. my prescription yet, and I haven't <laughs> had a chance to check my prescription to see if I will actually can use these things. <laughs> and then they talked about like you didn't you get lenses fabricated for I did. OG Vive because they did talk I about did. that, but this was yes. supposed to alleviate the need for that because earlier VR headsets had the kind of like binoculars right where you can focus but you can also like right. move them up and down to get them positioned to your eye correctly that's and different than this bit. thing yeah. right that's what i'm saying that's yeah. what they used to have but this is like you know you go to the eye doctor and they <laughs> they swing plates in front of your eyes right. to find you know how you see and having that built into a headset if it does work it does seem like the yeah the needed next step for you just take it and put it on and wear it without having to think about it i mean but i think that's add this other cool. layer of Yes. It's it's super cool. It's just there's an upper limit to the prescriptions that it supports. It doesn't support anybody's prescription, only negative six. And I don't know what I am. Uh I've I've been scared to look. <laughs> but um but it's it's that's super cool. And that's a I think a neat feature. Um also, you know, it is a true mixed reality headset. It's both AR and VR, has the pass-through, has the the uh you know, the cameras on the front. Uh there's gonna be some some AR um software that ships alongside it um it, it it's got pretty great resolution at you know 4k 2k in each eye which uh, looks like the sort of the next level standard for, for you know psvr 2 is basically exactly that um and it, it just it it looks like a really slick comfortable people talk about how comfortable it is if you're not wearing glasses um and I, i'm really excited to try it you know, you can plug it in and use any, uh, you know, Steam VR, all that stuff. You can plug it in USB-C, single cord. Uh, I, I really want to try it, and which is why I pre-ordered it. But I'm hoping that I'm not, you know, unable to with my with my eye prescription. I probably should have checked that before we recorded today. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious about its, its standalone software. Um, because for better or worse, you know, Meta has dumped tons of money into supporting their own software for their own devices that work as a standalone. And really, and I wonder how much support this will get. Like, can anything that works on the Quest 2 be ported? I would imagine so, because from a tech spec, it feels very similar. Right. Um, but this is their first device, right? That works untethered from an existing digital vr storefront yeah it really it really feels like it's going head to head with the metacrest pro uh, and 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 for 400 bucks cheaper um and you know they they list i don't know 30 40 games that are going to be available right at at launch with this thing that'll work and there's stuff that you know it's it's a very few brand new things but you know demio Mm -hmm. uh green hell vr um uh, unleash there's there's tons of games that you'll recognize here um, Demio, obviously, that other tabletop role playing game, totally unrelated yeah. to any yeah, other. Right. Related to, yeah. <laughs> um, allow Jeff, allow me to, and I don't want this to sound disrespectful. You're the only, <laughs> you're the only person that I know 
that loves VR. You're the only one. I can't. I've. I'm. I'm literally thinking through all of my friends and and colleagues and stuff. No, I've never heard anybody be like, "I am so excited for a VR headset." So you're the only person. So I want to know what happens when you get the VR headset. What do you do with it? What do you do? You just play a bunch of games on it, or yeah, yeah, I put it on. Okay. I, you know, I, I, I. You can. There's lots of content. There's amazing, uh, just video content too. There's a, a tons of awesome video content. Um, there's YouTube VR. There's a whole thing. Um, there's yeah. You can watch. You can watch 3D movies on it. Um, but yeah, I love the. I love the the gaming content. I love. There's all. There's a lot of. Um, you know, if it, it, it really does still, I didn't think it would be this many years in, but it still feels a lot like the Wild West because there's a lot of small stuff, experimental stuff, people just kind of throwing things together. Um, you can, you know, sideload a lot of really cool, interesting stuff. And I, I check things out all the time. Uh, but I, you know, I, I love the big, meaty, cool uh, games that you can play on it. Um, and... I'm just a, I'm a sucker for the tech and I want it to get better and better. I want the field of view to get better, the resolution to get better. And you know, something like half-life Alex is for me, the gold standard or, or, um, yeah. Um, uh, what's the other something echo. What is the, what is it? Christian lone echo lone echo. I can't want to say last echo. I knew that wasn't right. Lone echo lone echo and half-life Alex are like, I feel like the, the promise of if more developers had more money and more time, they could, make stuff like that and everybody would be blown away like me. Um, and unfortunately people haven't embraced it the way I have, as you pointed out. Uh, so there are fewer of those, but there's still so many really cool experiences that I love. And, and the thing about VR is that it's, I mean, listeners have heard me say this many, many times, but I think it's a completely different kind of gaming experience. It's not just, Oh, it's, 3d and it's all around me i really do feel like it introduces a completely different way to approach interactivity and so that's what's so exciting to me it's not like oh i want to see halo but in vr or i want to see grand theft auto but in vr and people are doing that stuff like this guy just just put out um a mod for um uh insomniac spider-man game that's supposed to be amazing in vr he just modded it uh, I can't wait to try it, but I'm not l- like looking for that game, but in VR, although that's also cool, the stuff like Lone Echo, which is, oh my God, there is no comparison point. There's right, yeah. there's no way to create that experience on a 2D flat screen. It's just a completely different kind of way of playing games. And that's the thing that makes me so excited about it. That's why I asked because uh, I played Half Life Alex when it came out. I'm a huge Half Life fan. Already was, and you're and you're exactly right. Half Life Alex can only be played on a VR headset. Like it, it would wouldn't be doing it justice to play it on a computer. Um, and that's why I was like, are there other experiences other than like Boneworks or like like you said like Lone Echo? There's like maybe three or four games that I can think of that I like have to be on VR. But then the rest, I'm kind of like. Yeah, okay. And that's kind of a lot. That's why I was like, this sounds like just, it sounds like a step forward, but I'm not sure if it's like something that I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I've got to have this next yeah. one. That's why it was interesting to ask you because I was like, I've never heard anybody say it before. So, no, I, I, I mean, I think I am certainly, I, I will admit that I am a, an outlier in the, in the sense that I get excited about this stuff still. And I think if you're a lay person or somebody 
for whom, you know, you look at $1,100, which to me, it's embarrassing that I like leapt at a chance to spend $1,100 on something that is marginally better. I couch it in being like, it's for work, you know? Yeah, but, no, yeah you can excite it. It's okay. Yeah. Whatever. But also, you know, I, I do think if more people saw some of this other stuff, I think, you know, people would get, I, I don't know. You, you are disagreeing because you have had that experience, but um, well, I'm not disagreeing. I, it's just more of a, I just wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, you know, like because it's it's an interesting question that I get almost weekly on on stream. But people are always like, "Hey, are you going to play anything in VR?" And I'm always kind of like, "Why?" <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> there's no reason to other than to play the killer apps. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, and that's why I was asking you. No, I'm not disagreeing at all. It's just more of like a I. It's interesting to hear because I have it's so rare to hear somebody excited about VR. Yeah. But well, I also I love, you know, they just um um you can watch like behind the scenes of the Mission Impossible movies in virtual reality. It's you know, like 360 degree video or something, yeah, you know. Uh, or I there was this amazing series that I really enjoyed um that was uh shot during the pan like the the height of the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic when no one was going out and they brought 360 degree ca cameras to like center of um, the busiest intersection in Tokyo or uh, Venice, which there is not a time where you can go to those places and there aren't thousands of tourists That's except right, yeah. that time during the pandemic. And yeah. you can just stand in those places empty which ne is not possible. And you can look around and right. feel like you're there and it's, I don't know. That's cool. That's I really geek cool. out on that stuff. So I guess yeah. I'm, I'm a little weird, but. What I love <laughs> no. about this headset in particular and that it was also another CES announcement is we've talked on this show before, Jeff, you and I, how I, I like cars. I like car video games. I like cars IRL, and, except for cars too. No one likes cars too. Um, <laughs> but this VR feels like it is in the it's in the electric car space where like everybody like VR has been around for a while, but everybody's still figuring it out. Yeah. Like at CES, you had Sony and Honda coming out with their Alfila. 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 Yeah, naming their brand of. Yeah. And it's like companies that didn't exist overnight are now like we're an electric car company and we're valued at $2 billion. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like the old car companies are like, we will eventually And like VR feels the same way where you have a headset, like this is the best thing ever. And then somebody's like, well, we can go 400 miles to a charge. How are you doing that? And everybody runs over there and VR is at the point now where I'm, st I'm waiting for that, you know, 500 mile per charge electric vehicle. And, yeah. and I don't like we did, I think wires free, was like the big breakthrough and now i think the quest or what do they call it is it still no it's not the is it quest whatever meta's pro the meta pro yeah, one. meta quest pro yeah um and this feel priced for you know more expensive than consumer but i'm not quite sure what they're delivering to justify that price but it seems like this is the next step is like the pro business user because we can charge this and everybody's like well, we don't know if we're there yet and it's like well, Kevin Costner had to build the field, <laughs> you know, yeah. for people to come. And I right. find it so exciting to see tech develop real time like this. And I'm super curious which one of the next things will be the Tesla or the Quest One of like the, oh, the Tesla Model 3 makes sense for X number of people. The Quest 
one yeah. is so easy to recommend like oh bruce you know someone on your stream doesn't understand vr get a quest one get beat saber they'll get it it's right, gotta yeah. be but, it's gotta be psvr2 right that's the answer to your question and but it requires a i guess playstation has now officially confirmed me that ps5s are no longer hard to get <laughs> so 30 million of them evidently yeah, yeah they did yeah. But it still requires that. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, is that are they going to sell 10 million PSVR2s to go to 30 million? But I hopefully, <laughs> ho- hopefully uh, you know they keep putting out great software for it. That's that's the question is there is there going to be software for this stuff? And it's exactly what you said, Bruce. Is is there going to be these un- can't miss experiences? Yeah. Um and I you know, I like being in the weeds. I like being in that wild west, but very few people are willing to pay that much to do that. It has to be the stuff like Horizon and, and um, right, right. you know, the big stuff that's like you have to experience this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to trying it. I, I keep waiting for the next Half-Life Alex. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Because Half-Life Alex was, like, in my opinion, a transcendental experience uh, with on the index because I bought the index for it. Yeah. Um, and now I literally stare at the index in the corner <laughs> of my room and I never use that. Like, it's such a bummer because I spent a thousand bucks on it. It's just, it's just sitting there. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, I get it. And mine, mine's right there. Uh, and I, I was hoping that Alex was going to be this sea change. Uh, and it, me it too. To me too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, Christian, you did say that, uh, you know, CES, it's interesting how CES has become a car show because cars have become a tech product. Um, it's more computer than car. You don't need to worry about an alternator or a catalytic oh, converter. So wonderful. Not having to change oil. Oh, how happy yeah. am I to yeah. have an electric car? I still pour some on my hands from time to time just to, <laughs> just to impress my kids. Lay, lay on your back and have some <laughs> splash into your mouth. Um, <laughs> maybe I was doing it wrong. I don't know. I was never good at it. Uh, but, um, but I, you know, my story of the week is uh, Sony's presence at CES. You already talked about their partnership uh, and, and introducing a car or a concept for a car. Uh, but they did have some gaming announcements as part of their presentation. Obviously, Sony is a much larger brand than just gaming. They have, uh, you know, lots of consumer electronics products that require them being at CES. And it, that is not really a gaming show. So you weren't going to get announcements of, you know, an expansion to God of War or anything like that. But they did have some interesting uh, announcements at CES, including their own entry into the... Um, the accessibility market. You saw Microsoft uh, go really large over the last couple of years in, in introducing a controller uh, for um, uh, folks with disabilities to be able to play games um, more easily. And now Sony has done the same for the PS5 with their Project Leonardo, which is this heavily customizable controller. Uh, I think, obviously, you know, we're in favor of that. That's a, It's a wonderful thing that more people can play games. And it's fascinating to me how different their approach is than Microsoft's controller. Um, I don't, I don't know enough about the particular needs of the disabled community to understand uh, what, you know, the minutia of that, but it's just interesting how different it is. So that was cool. Um, And also, you know, they, they came out large, as you, as you said, it's a very much a car show now. Uh, they, they came out large uh, with Gran Turismo 7. Gran Turismo 7 is going to get a PSVR 2 upgrade for free. So you can play that game in VR. Very interested to see how good that looks or how well it works. Mm-hmm. And um, the, show- the haptic on the headset, like that's what got me excited is people were talking yeah. about PSVR 2's haptic headset to kind of help bridge that gap of 
putting your butt in the seat. So or yeah, it's not your in the seat. Yeah. Right. It's not your butt feeling the turn, but you, if you can feel a little bit more connected to the road, I think for me, that's what's kept VR from being the killer app for driving games versus the super ultra wide or five screen, you know, surround setup that you can sit down and play at um, where you can have a little bit of motion under you also. But if they're able to bridge that gap and it doesn't require yeah. you know, a room, <laughs> this car is barely holding onto the road. How do you know? I can feel it in my cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up, man. I'm in. <laughs> um, so Bruce, here you go. Here's, here's, Closer to you know at least a AAA app that's going to be working in VR. Are you are you compelled at all by experiencing a driving game in PSVR two? You know it's uh, well short answer kind of, but I mean like I am in the sense that it, it'll be fun to try. So like I'm really looking forward to trying the new uh, Horizon on PSVR two. Yeah, but that just looks like a roller coaster. So it just looks like. They just put you in a boat and then you're just like, okay, now look around and shoot arrows. And you're like, <laughs> I mean, all right, I'll, that's neat. But like after an hour, you're going to be like, who cares? Um, and it's the same with like driving. Sounds really cool. It's when you take a turn, it like presses against your face or something. I'm not sure. Um, and like, it'll be, it'll be neat. And I think for the hobbyists and, and people like you, Jeff, who are like super stoked about it, they're going to want to like live in that kind of stuff. But I just don't know if that branches out to the wider audience. And the best thing about PSVR 2 is that it goes along with your PlayStation. I think it's like 550 bucks. Yeah. So it's it's expensive, but it's not like $1,100 like the uh, yeah, 5XR like the, Elite. So, like um, this guy bought over here with the thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but I mean, like, it's so weird because like I even tried Resident Evil 7 in VR on the PSVR one, it was super cool and it grossed me out. And I had like a great experience with it, but it's not like I was like, all right, well, I got to buy this thing and now play eight hours of this. Mm. Uh, it was more, it was more of like, I had a neat experience, but I could not justify the fact that I needed to spend a bunch more money and then sit down and put 10 hours of my life into that. So did you try, have you I, tried, uh, did you try the Astrobot VR game on PSVR? I never did. No, I never did. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I yeah. mean, Obviously, it's not a game that is like, oh, you can only play it in VR. But I think it would have, um, it. I would venture to say that it would make you want to play it for eight hours. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. That's yeah. that's a. It's been a tough one because, like, like I said, I Half Life Alex. Uh, I haven't played Lone Echo, but the way you guys are talking about it, the way it kind of makes me now want to dig into it with, with uh, oh, dude, VR. If, you can play it. You can play it on your um, on your index with uh, the Revive. Have you heard of Revive? I have, yeah, 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 yeah. So you can you can play Lone Echo. You can purchase Lone Echo on the Oculus Store and then play it on the Index through Revive. Um, okay. And I could not recommend that higher. It also has a sequel, so there's two of those. Sequel is also excellent, um, but it okay. is uh, for my money like proof of concept of why VR is special. Is you know Half Life Alex again? I totally agree with you. Transcendent, but. It also is like, oh, wow, you can do all the stuff you do in a regular Half-Life game, but physically. And right. Lone Echo is like, what if, what if you could be weightless in space, which is not an experience that ever has right. felt good to me in a video game. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh, my God, is it incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. That's, yeah. I, yeah, it sounds awesome. I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying all these things because it's my job. 
So like, I'll probably stream it, you know, like, and, and I'll be fun. And then I'll be like, yeah, this is cool. And everyone will be like, well, uh, how many more games are you going to play in VR? And I go, ah, I, I mean, maybe I'll wait six months or so. And then I'll play another <laughs> yeah. game. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I get um, it. Yeah. It's, I get it's it. interesting. It's a very interesting uh, space that yeah. I really, really would love for it to explode. And it just hasn't yet. Me too. I, Me too. I, <laughs> I do wonder, and maybe I'm totally off on this, but I do wonder if there was a way to better capture a player's face when playing, if that could help the adoption of it. Because, you know, you know, we've talked around this a little bit, but I think what streaming has brought to the gaming industry and hobby is huge in terms of spreading its visibility and just people being aware of it and watching it and watching the incredible content that so many people are making out there that is ancillary, if not even directly related to games. And I've watched some great VR streams as well, some VR content creators, but it is what I like watching oftentimes in people's streams, especially when they're playing, you know, let's say resident evil is them reacting to it. Oh yeah. When half of their face is buried under a scuba mask, it feels different. Like I like watching awesome beat saber players. That's I could watch that all day when I'm not yeah. playing, when I'm not playing it. Cause they have a rhythm that I will never find. But I also think it's interesting. Like when they, in the Marvel movies, you always see Tony Stark under the helmet. You know, you always want to see the human yeah. doing the thing. It's a good point. And I, I don't know how compelling it would be if like Bruce, you were going to play GT seven. It's just speaking personally. I don't know if I'd rather watch you. Pl- I think I'd rather watch you play it on PlayStation and not in VR. Cause I'd feel like I'd be connecting with you more. Being I, able I, to see your I disagree with that one. Uh, if you, it, I would recommend watching a streamer named Beardo Benjo. If, uh, okay. if you're curious about it. how yeah. VR can be compelling as a streamed thing. Uh, he's awesome. And, okay. uh, yeah, to my list. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I, the, the added benefit that you have of watching a VR streamer is they're physically doing something, you right. know, they're, they're yeah. doing it. Um, so it's, it's very fun and he's great. So Christian, I, by the way, that I, I think there's, uh, there's absolutely merit to what you said about seeing people's face under, under the mask. That's a great idea to have a camera maybe in the VR headset that shows your reaction very similar to an Iron Man point of view. Uh, it's really, it's, really close. It's Iron Man, but so much closer. It's <laughs> so much <laughs> like right here. Um, <laughs> But that's a great idea because then you're right. Because otherwise you only get to see what my mouth is doing, not what my eyes or, you know, like everything else is doing up there. So Meta is working all that stuff, you know, for um, Mm -hmm. reconstructing your facial expression and stuff for like um, virtual Mm -hmm. meetings. And and they're working on that intensely of having, you know, because there's all that eye tracking uh, stuff built into the MetaQuest 2. And to that point, the that is not included in the new Vive uh, uh, headset. But they say it's going to have an add-on that will include um, eye tracking and 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 a camera pointed at at the face. But um, you know, I think that's a big part of what they want for virtual meetings and for um, um, what do they call it? Uh, Metaverse? No, yes, but but the like teleconference or yeah, but there's a word for the, the, they they call it for like using it in the in the workspace using VR in the workspace, and I'm not it's slipping my mind right now, but um. That's the idea is, is you don't, you want to be able to have those subtle facial expressions and have that conveyed over long distances, even though you're, you feel like you're sitting next to each other. So they're, your they're bringing a lot is, of energy. Your boss's avatar enterprise. is just happy. Enterprise is what I was looking for. 
Sorry, your boss's avatar is just the happy face and calls you into a VR meeting. It's just this happy face. And it's like, Jeff, your work's been abysmal. <laughs> yeah. Everything's been off. You're <laughs> fired. Why are you smiling at me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we've talked about that way more than we need to do, I'm sure. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't get, I can't stop when I start talking about VR. No, it's okay. I like to hear it. I like to hear it from somebody who it. really enjoys it. So. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I do indeed. Uh, but let's move on now. And talk about a sponsor, Squarespace, Squarespace. Oh my goodness, Squarespace has been supporting us since we started over nine years ago now. And uh, Squarespace is your all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can build a beautiful website that lets you stand out. You've always been able to do that with Squarespace. But now you're also able to engage with your audience and sell anything, your products, the content you create, even your time. Because... The new version of Squarespace has all kinds of tools and tool sets that help you create content. They have member areas, which makes it easy for creators to monetize their content and their expertise in a way that fits their brand. They have uh, ways to unlock new revenue streams for your business, free up your time. You can sell access to gated content like videos, online courses, and newsletters, and you can even create the videos in Squarespace's Video Studio app, which helps you make and share engaging videos that tell your story and grow your audience and drive sales. And if you want to have an online store, whether you sell something physical or something purely digital, so easy with Squarespace, uh, which has all the tools you need to start selling online so quickly. It's all just drag and drop. What you see is what you get. You just drag it into your website. Bing, bang, boom. It works. Everything is um, mobile optimized right out of the box. You don't have to worry about optimizing for mobile. Uh, They have blogging and commenting features and analytics. It's so simple. It's so easy. And it's really attractive. It really is as it makes you allows you to make beautiful websites in a in a GIF in a GIF. Do people still say GIF? I don't know. (laughs) Check it out for yourself. Go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. No, Jeff sent me. That's me, Jeff. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, you can use our offer code, which is also Jeff sent me. It's J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Great place to just buy domain names. Also Squarespace. It's where I bought um, basically all the domain names I own. It's so simple. They have this really cool front end that helps you uh, you know suggest things if you're the, the domain you want is not available it's great squarespace.com slash jeff sent me and our promo code jeff sent me for 10 percent off all right let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist Ooh, Bruce, I know that you are always playing a ton of stuff. What is uh, top of your list lately? Top of my list lately, most recently, is a game called Dave the Diver. Dave the Diver is uh, it's a game that was an early access back in October, November of last year. Um, and it's one of those games that like sneaks up on you. You kind of play it, and I'd heard good things about it. I saw people playing it. I was like, this looks like fun. It just looks like kind of like a little throwaway single player thing, kind of like a Vampire Survivors. And just like Vampire Survivors, it absolutely snuck up on me. And I was like, wow, like I am thinking about this game when I'm not playing it. And I am continuing to want to play this game even when I thought it was done. Uh, 
and I've just been wanting to play it more and more and more. I've been streaming it on on uh, Twitch and just enjoying the hell out of it. It's it's so it's, it's such a relaxing hmm. uh, single player kind of. It's a rogue light a little bit, but there's a story that goes along with it. It's a it's an adorable thing. Like I also am automatically repelled. I can't stand. 16-bit graphic bullshit I, like i don't i don't like that stuff that's not <laughs> my thing i actually really like current games i like the i like but vampire survivors and david the diver are both the 16-bit super nintendo look mm-hmm. um and they are so good so dave the diver give it a shot um i think you'll really enjoy the uh aesthetic around it the gameplay the story is super fun and really charming i, I really think it's, it's totally worth the time it's 20 bucks you might as well so. This is uh, the first time I'm hearing of this game. I just checked it out on Steam. Uh, so you're you're a little diver dude. That's and right. What you just have to like? Avo- are you exploring and and avoiding sharks? It looks like I don't know what what's, what do you do. Okay, so the first half of the game is uh, Dave is obviously a diver, professional diver. Um, he dives in to the ocean that's in this nice little cove, and he goes fishing. So he spears he spearfishes. He'll catch a bunch of fish. And then what you do with the fish is, uh, so he, he dives in the morning and afternoon, and then he takes the fish to a sushi restaurant that he manages and serves in the evening. Amazing. He serves, he serves sushi in the evening. And that's the other half of the game is that sushi restaurant stuff. Um, so there's the fishing, which is the kind of the roguelite stuff. And then the sushi stuff, which is sort of like a, you know, time management, uh, style game. Yeah. But the, but again, the writing and the aesthetic of the game are so charming and so clever, way more than they ever should be. Um, whoever made this game is like, honestly, has a, a very bright future ahead of them. So awesome. Yeah, well, it is on my radar. I love roguelikes. So uh, Dave, the diver is the name of the game. And as Bruce said, 20 bucks on Steam. Um, what else is on your playlist? Uh, well, high on life. I've been recommending I think you guys have already talked probably talked about it on this podcast, but uh, did you, you both enjoyed it or what, what do you think of it? I, I really haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. I, Christian talked oh. about it a bit right when it launched and Christian, if I'm not mistaken, you were a little ambivalent about it, right? You were, you thought the, it was a little um, grating with its incessant it can, talk. It can be. Yes. Uh, oh no. I mean, I think I, I, I think my review of it was whether you like it or not, will depend on the humor but aside from that i was surprised at how competent of a shooter it was like it is a very competent fun first person shooter but the humor is so much in your face that even it gives you an option to turn it down but even Mm -hmm. with that you can't it's not just a bland militaristic shooter which i think is is to its benefit but there are some you know shooters whose stories i don't care about but i'm uh crisis two i don't know what crisis two was loved it you know loved it high on life it will depend on if the humor clicks for you in my opinion and bruce i'm curious you know your take on it you can't escape it i guess is what i would say you you totally can't um i like rick and morty i'm not a huge fan it's rick and morty humor because it's justin roiland uh and you're absolutely right it is constantly in your face and it becomes annoying but much like some of that annoying humor it comes around where eventually you're just like, all right, all right. I think it's funny now. Like, and you're like, you don't even <laughs> want to admit to yourself that you think it's funny. Because when I was streaming and I was just like, why am I laughing at this? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and the way I've been recommending High on Life is it's 
it's sixty dollars full price. Don't do that. Uh, get it on Game Pass. Right. Just just get it on Game Pass. Pay the fifth, pay the ten bucks, fifteen bucks a month or whatever. Play it that way. It's a really short game. It's like eight hours. And Christian's exactly right. It is way more competent as a shooter than it should be um, by a long shot. Like we're talking like an actually really fun game with lots of really fun mechanics um, that I think works really well. And honestly, it's been selling like crazy on Steam and it has succeeded kind of, I think, beyond everybody's wildest dreams, which is which I is think they, because they, they made a good game. I think so. they said it's one of one of, if not the most successful Game Pass launch ever. That's right. Uh, which yeah, is that's pretty it. wild. I played it over break where, you know, we, we did our uh, end of the year episode and we did our uh, our game pre- or, uh, 2023 uh, predictions episode. So we haven't really talked about games we've been playing in, in a few weeks. And it was in that place that I, I, I played it. I haven't finished it yet, but I want to. I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying it way more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And... I, I, it's for the, it's for the humor. It's for, it's, it is, it tickles me. And it, yes, it is crass. Yes, it is in your face. Yes, you have to really have a very specific sense of humor to enjoy how, you know, over the top it is. But I, I mean, I love Rick and Morty and I, I feel like there are too few games that do that. There are too few games, in my opinion, that, especially first person shooters, that I play specifically to find out what happens next. You know, mm-hmm. most of the time I'm playing a game, like I probably offend a lot of people when I say this, but I don't think I've ever played a Halo game because I cared about what happens to Master Chief. <laughs> right? I mean, there's a lot of people yeah, who read yeah. the books and love the ma- all that lore, and I, but like, I don't care. I, I'm excited because there's going to be a cool new set piece and I'll get to be in a tank maybe or the next right. cool fun thing I get to do. And most First-person shooters, especially, are like that for me. Here's one where I, I'm, I'm playing because I'm excited to see what happens next and 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 what goofy thing they're going to say. And I'm, yeah, I I really loved the fact that it is just wall-to-wall writing. I mean, there's, there's not a moment the game isn't chatting at you, and I think that's cool. I think that's cool. <laughs> It's also gorgeous. Um, I, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think it's refreshing. And I hate to say, oh, for a first-person shooter. But again, it is not a drab, dreary world. You're constantly in new environments. It's colorful. It's bright. Um, and I find that really refreshing. And also, I think when we talked about it last time, I don't know if I was allowed to say this because it might have been embargo period still. I think kind of before you were allowed to say everything. One of the best cold opens of any video game, especially for the style of video game it is, mm-hmm. how that game starts with what you're doing and who your character is. Yeah, and, it's very funny. You know, how it sets you up for what that game is going to be. Really well done. Yeah, it's, I keep saying it, despite itself, it is really, really fun. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. really play, play it on Game Pass. I, I totally. don't know why, why yeah. you wouldn't, you know. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't have a Game Pass subscription unless, you know. There you go. It, yeah. It's the best deal in gaming. Uh, anything else on your playlist, Bruce? Uh, I mean, I could go forever, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But Fallout 76, I kind of came back to because I was like, people kept saying, no, it's good. And I was like, there's no way. And I went and played it. And I was like, nah, it's 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 fine. I mean, like, it's not. I Fallout 76 has improved immensely since it's terrible, terrible launch. Uh-huh. But you need to play with friends. If you're playing this by yourself, it's not. It isn't. Like, it's people have been uh wanting fallout because obviously we're in a fallout drought right now real bad 
we're not going to get another fallout for five six years probably yeah um and people were like no no 76 is but it's it's i mean it's not play with your friends (laughs) if you're gonna if you want fallout at all play with your friends but otherwise you could probably safely avoid it (laughs) that's a bummer i mean because i'd heard i I haven't tried it since the launch either and i've heard a number of people i mean like like you said no it's good now it's like cyberpunk no it's good now uh, cyberpunk i can i could go forever and say yes it is absolutely good now but okay. fallout 76, yeah i could but 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 i don't want to fallout 76 is not good. <laughs> yeah uh, not is terrible. there is there anything you think they could do bruce that could i mean is the answer just oh make it fall out like what because I, I went back that's the thing fallout 76 seems to be successful for bethesda i mean they're still putting money and resources is, yeah. into it and they have a dedicated community they had a whole e3 presentation that felt like that was them saying thank you <laughs> you know mm-hmm. to those yeah. hardcore fans that kept talking about it and i think i went back to it for a bit then and the folks i was talking to were like oh well you actually didn't play enough before to get to the new good stuff and i was like i can't i can't yeah. i can't do that but i'm like you know what would it take uh to have it turn that corner for you to be like, it is good now. Uh, then nothing. It's not, it isn't the game <laughs> itself is. Yeah, no, it's because it's an MMO. Like it's not yeah. a single player. So it's like, they, I like that they gave you and they put in NPCs now. <laughs> so like, there's a story that you can follow. Whereas before they didn't have that. Um, so it's kind of like fallout in that sense, but it does not have the character. It doesn't have the, the single player exploration that, uh, that you know fallout 4 3 did um i mean new vegas obviously is one of the one of the greatest probably ever so eh, i don't think it's i don't think it's even worth your time really <laughs> unless you're going to put together a group of like five people and, and be like let's play once a week then that might be fun to screw around there there's but. so many games you could do that with that are yeah, good yes you know that's correct yeah they're right yeah yeah um we don't need to get into it but just briefly you do think that cyberpunk is worth going back to Oh man, I've been I've been saying Cyberpunk was good since launch. I okay. I played it okay. I played it for like twelve hours, sixteen hours first day on PC. Had no issues, loved it. And everyone's like, "This is the worst." Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, <laughs> "Man, I really loved it. I thought it was great." So like, it's right. only gotten better. Um, but I also I also with the caveat, don't buy it full price. Yeah, uh, get it on discount somewhere. Um, but. Uh, but cyberpunk, I I think the DLC when that comes out, the Phantom Liberty DLC, that's going to be the thing that everyone goes, oh, all right, okay, we get it. Like it's like they're gonna people are gonna come back to it as much. I mean, they already have with with yeah. Edge Runners. So um, I don't know. It's I was saying it was Skyrim long before people were like being like, oh, that's back. But it truly is kind of the Skyrim of the last couple of years. So that's I, I, a lot of people are going to be upset about that, but I, that's what I think. So. I uh, I might reinstall that. I it's got DLSS 3.0, so anything with that at this point is like I'll check it out. It uh, does. It looks great. Man. Yeah. Uh, all right, there you go. Um, Fallout 76 pass. Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? So I was in Wyoming, uh, trying to find Tommy. Growing um, a beard. Growing a beard. Every day began with kids having a snowball fight out front. Um, everything was uh, just Not your perfect. Kids, my, just random kids. I walked by. I learned the mechanics of snowball fighting by engaging <laughs> with them. Um, 
then I left Wyoming and my dog got sick and everything's gone to crap. So don't, if you're in, what I'm saying is if you are a video game character or a real life character, stay in Jackson, Wyoming. Um, no, uh, I am replaying again, the last of us part one, because you all might not know this. I love that franchise. I think we, I think we know this. There's an HBO show coming out. What? Between now and the next time we do this show, I think it'll be out or like as we're, yeah. Jeff, I can't make it next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Check my I know clock. you you, um, are, you already have already lined up your replacement podcast. For, you're you're well, not going to so you're going to be with Dave my Chen and I. Yeah, my co-host. You can find at podcast.decodingtv.com. Uh, um we'll be doing episodes. I love The Last of Us and I think it was reading all the articles that started to come out this week while I was literally in Jackson, Wyoming, um, which is a, a major location in in the games. Of you really take what, your fandom seriously. You're like, I have I to know. visit it. I have to see. I have to see yeah. where the clickers are from. My wife is like, you know, we've had family there for decades, uh, like generations. And I'm like, uh, I don't care, babe. They're making an HBO show. About <laughs> <laughs> We're going on set location. Um, what? I think it was these interviews that started to come out. You know, you'll do the, the big press run up to things. <clears throat> and so IGN and, and GameSpot and everybody had these these sit downs with um, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann talking about the game and the adaptations again. And I just really got the itch to replay it, to go into the show. And I'm playing it now on very light, which is the easiest difficulty and I have never played The Last of Us on that difficulty. Friends, it is fascinating. It is a <laughs> fascinating game because it still is. Well, one, it's beautiful. Like this is the PS5 version of it. And, you know, I've, I sung its praises before. Um, but it's fascinating to me about how it still very much feels like the same game, but how much wider... I guess the margins are like, you still don't have unlimited bullets and your shots are still relatively slow. And, you know, you'll get into encounters where a clicker will get up on you and you'll have to mash square to get out of it or be like a one hit you're dead kind of moment because you failed in a listening section or something like that. But resources are so plentiful that I found myself just playing through combat encounters over and over and over again and seeing how cool these animations could look as I linked them and like kind of pushing what the last of us part two animations, they kind of brought over in that combat they brought over into part one where I wasn't, I never felt threatened when, when I'm playing as Joel and I knew I always had enough stuff to get through it. Even if I had to stop and heal, it's hard because this is like my 18th time playing the game but I think it might be my favorite way to play the game. Like, I don't feel like a superhero. I don't feel like Nathan Drake all of a sudden. Right. But it is but it, very it, freeing. You don't have that that constant stress. Right. Like, do I shoot or do I just try? Like, I'm okay. shooting. <laughs> Which is interesting because I feel like part of the whole experience of Last of Us is that stress. And to play it without that stress, is it, it's interesting that it still holds up for you. Well, and, and I love people that, you know, and I've certainly played some on hardcore as well. That's like the total opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating. Again, I'm a super fan. I did the official podcast, blah, 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 blah. You've heard it all before. Um, but I think it's fascinating when games can can work on all levels like that of difficulty. And the other franchise that jumped to mind for me was Halo. You know, we talked about it on this show earlier, but you can play that on Legendary with the hardest skulls, mm -hmm. you know, 
things that you can mutate and change and still have this awesome experience. And you can play it on easy or whatever they called it and still have these wonderful sandbox fights. Like the core loop of that game is still there. And I just never thought to do it in the last of us before, for whatever reason I have in uncharted. I love playing those on just give me the story stupid or whatever they call it. Um, and yeah, I really want to go back and try some resident evils on the very, very, very easy mode and see like, Oh, I'm playing it now just for jump scares and not for resource management. And I find that I find that fascinating and I'm fully bought into the last of us hype. <laughs> all right. I feel like this was all just a big promo for your podcast. That's what I think. Uh, podcast.decodingtv.com. Uh, with Dave Chen. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I mean, I, the other game I'm playing, Jeff, yes. is the game. I don't know if I don't know if you've heard of it before. Hmm. Um, they've announced a sequel, but it's called Hey. Hades. Hades. I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar. It's um, not familiar. I don't know if it's a long A or not. Um, I it's think it's called Hades. On... Right? It's called Hades. Hades. Yeah, so why would anyone oh, hate like like hell like Hades? <laughs> oh, I thought it was Boy. like Hey Ladies, like <laughs> no, to be like Hades. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this was my in Wyoming Steam Deck game. I bought a copy of Hades again right when I got my Steam Deck. Great like, this Steam is the Deck perfect. game. Come on, yeah, perfect, yes. perfect Steam Deck. Yeah. And I hadn't fired it up yet because I played so much of it on on Switch back when it came out um, 1.0 release. And again, I am reminded at just how good the game is where I was starting from zero. And at no point was I like, ugh, I don't have this weapon unlocked. I'm going to have to do this grind again. Yeah. The efficiency of the combat and the upgrade um, loop that keeps you going and just the pure joy of doing the thing. Even if you don't get past the second room, not that you wouldn't, but like, even if that were the case, I feel like that was just an admission, but go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Even if, even though Jeff never got past the second room, (laughs) which is why he never talked about it on this show. I've never heard of that game. um, It's just such a great combat loop. And as someone who is not, uh a big rogue type fan like it really takes specific games to to pull me in what hades does in that genre i i feel like is untouched and i know that people are yelling rogue legacy rogue legacy 2 for whatever reason those don't click for me the way hades does i no, think I maybe it's the yeah. story uh with the action combat i don't know i don't think anybody's going to shout you down for praising hades uh, it is uh no, it's, yeah, it's a pinnacle yeah. yeah can't wait for that sequel but i don't think it's coming this year man I think it's, I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's going to get delayed as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. My, my, I I played a lot of high in life, as I said, over the last couple of weeks, but uh, the game that has consumed my time is one Christian. I know you expressed surprise uh, was nowhere on my end of the year list. And that's because I hadn't played enough of it at that point. But in the last couple of weeks, I have gotten really, really into Marvel's midnight suns, the Firaxis game uh with uh, the marvel characters in sort of an occult setting i have fallen in love with this game um i still no. have it's a great game it's a it's a great video game it's a gr- <laughs> dude i have such no. huge issues with it but i i have fallen in love with it i uh, bruce when you were talking about uh dave the diver and you said it's a game that i think about when i'm not playing it that's what that's what i'm always chasing that's what i'm always chasing is that feeling of Oh, I wish I could be playing that game right now. 
And that's where the place that I've gotten to with Marvel's Midnight Suns is like, oh, I wish I had like 20 minutes to go down and just do a quest. Um, and here's the thing. I still don't think it would have made my top five, right? I, Christian, you were like, oh, Sparks of Hope and not Marvel's Midnight Suns. I still think Sparks of Hope for me is the superior game because I don't have the downsides that I have for Marvel's Midnight Suns. But that doesn't mean I ha- I'm not loving my time with it. I love the systems in, in Midnight Suns. I love the pure mechanics, the, the all of the systems, all of the interlocking systems, the way the fights, and I'll talk about those in a second, but the way the like the upgrading the cards and the 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 way you you know you have to do certain things and it it has a day and night structure and there's like exploring your little occult area and unlocking new areas there and and talking to all your little compatriots and all the marvel heroes and um deciding who you're gonna invest time with and how you're gonna how you're gonna use the resources that you have and what what cards you're gonna try to unlock and what sending heroes out on their own missions without you and then which missions you're gonna do all of that stuff although the way it takes what is a very xcom like template and vastly alters it and makes it so much more, I think, personal. XCOM always feels like, you know, you're in the, uh, you know, turn-based board game, and then you're in uh, a spreadsheet. And then you're in the turn-based board game, and then you're in a spreadsheet. And Midnight Suns, like, it's doing the same kinds of things, but you're in a third-person video game, walking around, looking at things, exploring stuff, finding things, Talking to people, it's not, it, it really, um, I think, personalizes that in a way that, that No Fear Access Games has done before. And I think it's really cool. I love it. And I want to talk about the combat. But the, the downsides still remain for me. And, and Bruce, I'm so curious if you feel these the way I did or do. Um, and that is, A, I think the voice acting is so very bad. So very oh, yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and there's so much of it and yeah. so much of the game is talking to people and listening to them and <laughs> voice acting is so bad so bad and it's such a shame because there is like this dating sim layered on where you're hanging out with people and doing it and it's all so goofy and so much of the writing in the game is comedic and i applaud them for doing that there's lots of jokes and lots of goofy stuff and lots of you know inside marvel references gags and stuff like that and i'm like i'm usually a hundred percent on board with all that but man so much of it lands with a funk in this game because of the bad delivery of it all it's it i I, i'm like please i i feel bad throwing the voice cast under the bus but i feel it's it's more the voice director like allowing people to be in the booth by themselves and acting with nobody and all that stuff it's very bad. And also, like, I, I also, at a certain point, I don't care uh, to play video games with Tony Stark. You know, like, you can hang out in the pool with, you know, who, who, you know uh, Captain Marvel and play cards with Blade. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's goofy. It's goofy. It feels like this would have been much... Uh, more appropriate as the X-Men Xavier's Mansion game, you know? 
And ultimately, like, I kind of don't care about so much of the story. And there's so much story. You play as this character called the Hunter, which is an entirely invented character for this game. And I understand the motivation to do that. I understand going, hey, we're going to create our character. And then you get to interact with all the known Marvel characters. That's a cool idea. I think that works generally for a video game. It's like, I get to customize my character. I get to inhabit my character. And then all the characters that I know very, very well from myriad Marvel products, I can interact with. And date. And date. And date. (laughs) And date. Um, But also, it's laden with all of this lore for that character. I'm just like, I don't, you literally, there's a club. (laughs) They make a club called the Emo Kids. Oh, wait, I'm buying this game. Hold on, I'm in. That's the first thing you said. No, like Christian, card-based, turn-based, I don't care. Wait, emo Kids? Emo Kids is an acronym. E-M-O-K-I-D-S is an acronym. So it's like, it's oh, a, joke, a joke on a joke. And you go to the Emo Kids meeting, you have to like gather reagents in the world in order to have enough reagents to go to the Emo Kids where you lie on a slab and Doctor Strange and Magic and and other characters are like, Nico, are there to to sort of make you relive moments of your life that you don't remember? And I'm just like, I don't care about any of this. But also, it gives you a sweet upgrade, so I'm totally doing it. I'm totally grinding those reagents <laughs> and making that happen because card-based combat is rad. The upgrades of the cards is super fun. Like if you have multiple copies of a card, you can combine them and make a better version of the card. And you could also sell those cards, you know, dust them into other stuff. Like all of that mechanical stuff, I'm in. I love it. I love it. And I love the fighting. The fights are great. And part of what is so smart about what they did of changing the formula from XCOM, because this is super different than XCOM, is so much of XCOM and XCOM-like games is dealing with cover. How can I find cover? How can I maintain cover? Do I move out of cover? Do I blow up the the, the cover of the bad guys to get to it? It's like hide, shoot, get into cover. Oh my God, my guy's exposed. Ah, he's going to get... But that doesn't make sense for a superhero game. Because superheroes do not care about cover. There's nothing cool about Iron Man hiding behind a a box going, I hope they don't shoot me. And kudos to Firaxis for realizing that and going, there's no cover in this game. No cover. (laughs) Instead, there's stuff in the environment that you can use to smash people or bring it down on their head or push them into it and all that stuff. So it's awesome I think the fights are dynamic and cool. The way the cards, like the the resources of of using the number of card plays that you have and moves that you have and redrawing cards, it's all so smart and so fun. And I've really gotten myself into situations where I'm like, man, I'm going to have to reload a save because I really screwed up. I'm really overwhelmed. You know what? I think I'm going to keep going and just see what happens. Oh, I, I, I won the fight. Like that feeling is incredible. It feels like you can like, pluck victory from the jaws of defeat in really cool dynamic ways you get super op you know like there are way individual marvel heroes have awesome mechanical 
uh, quirks that you get to exploit in cool, fun ways. Comprising your team, deciding which members you want to bring on a mission is super interesting because they're all so different. There's so much to like about this game. But I, 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 and I also kind of just don't dig the occult theme. Like, I wish all the characters just looked like the Marvel versions and didn't have this occult version of them. But that's just my personal taste. Bruce, it sounds like you've played uh, a lot of Midnight Suns as well. What was your take? Hilariously, I have only played like 10 hours, which, by the way, is not a lot of, of Midnight Suns because yeah. there's like 70 or 80 hours of gameplay in this game. Yeah. And you're totally like, I, honestly, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head all the way around. It's it feels like you have to push through all of this kind of mediocre, ridiculous stuff to get to the fights to get like, I, I mean, I would spend an hour on stream talking to people and like, yeah. Going to Doctor Strange and having me having him buff me and then him showing me the UI and then him doing a tutorial. And it's like a tutorial for the UI. And I'm like, what? Where are the fights? <laughs> once you get to the fight in the game, it's awesome. Like yeah. you're having the best time and they last 10 minutes. And then you're back into the mansion talking to everybody and uh, <laughs> go to the reagents and on a date. And you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> so it's really interesting. It's a really interesting game because I like, I can recommend it, but. There's uh if you are not a Marvel aficionado or if you don't if you don't care about Marvel lore, I don't know that you're gonna have much fun with this because it's steeped in that lore. So well the good news is you can like skip, 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 skip on dialogue stuff, you know, yeah. which is a yeah, pain, but you can yeah. and you're not missing much most of the time. Um and I you know, I am a huge Marvel zombie from way back, but I I also don't like this particular take on it. Super, super, you know, I'm not into this, mm-hmm. like the occult thing. And, and the, so many of the characters are played super goofy. Like Tony Stark is written like Peter Parker. He's, he's right. constantly yeah. just zingers, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's really strange. He's and, drunk, Jeff. He's drunk. Uh, what do you expect? Okay. His dad did I mean, not love him. Christian, I have, taken him, I have taken him out on numerous dates. And I know for a fact he never drinks on them. He, spe- he specifies that he, he's sober. So how dare you? Um, and Doctor Strange is written as super goofy. Like the, all the characters are written yeah. goofy. And I appreciate them going for this light tone. It just doesn't land. It, and, and mostly it's because of the performances. I think some of the lines as written aren't that awful. But another thing I have to mention before we get off Marvel's Midnight Suns and prob- probably bring it up a few more times because I haven't finished it and I'm hooked. Like I love it. I love, I'm so excited to run down to the forge after I've done a mission and see what new card unlocks I got. Like, I'm so excited about that. It's, Uh. it's great. But another thing I have to bring up that I find really a massive bummer is the game has, first of all, tons of currencies and, uh, uh, things in your inventory, um, valuable items, you know, not valuable. What am I talking about? Um, you know, stuff to like, gather, stuff to stuff to, yeah. to spend. But one of the things that that you you can do is you get this stuff called glimmer. I believe it's called glimmer. G- glimmer for this for cosmetics. Are we yeah. talking about for skins? For cosmetics, you can you can get you can get this. Stuff. So it'll rate how well you did on a fight on a number of uh, vectors. You know how fast you beat the bad guys and if you one of your your people got KO'd and all that stuff and you can and you'll get a ranking and then you'll get this glimmer I think it's called which you can spend on cosmetics but not all the cosmetics 
the cool cost, the cosmetics you would actually want, those cost real money, of course. which is a different uh, currency. They will make, that's a real bummer. That's a real. It bummer. is a massive bummer. A yeah. massive bummer because I'm like, ooh, cool cosmetics. Ooh, ooh. Uh, yeah, oh, oh man, look at that sweet uh, variation on the Iron Man. Ooh, Ghost Rider, who actually looks like the Spirit of Vengeance Ghost Rider that I remember as a kid. Yeah, swap out that ugly, their version of Ghost Rider I don't like with this weird angular face. Oh, wait, what? I can't use the the cool currency that I earned by doing awesome on the fights? It's a different currency? Oh, how do I earn that? Oh, by using real human money? Well, I guess I'm never, ever getting any of those skins. That's right. Well, the game is $60. You're totally right. The game is $60. So, like, you blew all your money on the actual game. So, you're not going to go buy those cosmetics because you're just like, I just paid $60 for this game. No way am I spending more money on those microtransactions. It's ridiculous. It, I, I really strongly believe, like, I get it. Okay, they're only cosmetic that we, we asked you money for. But, it's, but you go, okay, well, make the real money ones a whole lot of the in-game currency that I can earn. Like, uh. let me, if I want to buy them with you, real human money, let me do that, I guess, if you want to do that. But also, let me earn enough to buy the one Ghost Rider skin that I want. Like, let me, don't bifurcate them into completely different currencies that don't overlap in any way, where it's like, these cosmetics, the crappy ones, you can earn in game. The super cool ones that you want are real, real money, and never the twain shall meet. That's dumb. That's dumb, and it makes me mad. Well, I would agree. Uh, yeah, depending I would agree. on what level patron you are for this show, my outfit does look better. So I, you know, I don't uh, don't right. throw it under the bus completely, Jeff. Because for our uh, <laughs> super duper uh, Spicedradamus tier patrons, I am I, in a tux listen, every night. I appreciate so. everybody that that upgrades our cosmetics, but we also don't charge you sixty dollars <laughs> up front for the show. You know what I'm saying? Oh. No, I'm saying mean, maybe that's our where we messed up ultimately. Then was uh, not <laughs> very very good. Point. I I feel I have not played this game. I've talked to friends, some who love it, and some who love it for those hangs, and they describe it as a PS3 era game. And I guess it's like nostalgia for that in some way. What throws me the most for this game? Again, have not played it. Talked to many of friends who did, and thought Jeff would be you know your catnip. The key art, like as I have a picture up for the vod as I'm recording the VOD, right? The key art, and every time I pull up media for this game, never seems to match what people talk about for this. That The key art just looks like it would be emo kids. And it's like hot topic. You know, you're listening to Fallout Boy, putting on your eyeline, like me, right? It's me. And it's like oh, fire and brimstone and the occult and all this stuff. And then it seems like it's just not that. No, it's 100% that. It's 100% like even that. the hangs are just like these weird fire costume people all walking around all the time. Well, they have, I don't they know. Have two, they, see, all the characters have two different outfits. They have their hang outfit and they have their fighting outfit. Mm. And the hang outfits you can often get for the in-game currency, but the cool fighting outfits, the stuff that you actually care about, the like awesome new Iron Man armor or the, you know, the killer whatever it is you know it's 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 such a it's such a bummer you can buy you can buy bathing suits for them too you can each one has, each one has a rarity bathing of bathing suits that's right okay just when i think i'm out you pull me back <laughs> <laughs> but i'm telling you the card combat the i mean bruce was saying that's this awesome. too the, the card awesome. combat's phenomenal it's phenomenal yeah, 
and the yeah, way you pretty- move around the battlefield and like so many there's so many cool choices to be made and and ways to maximize that your the hand you're dealt and options that you have in any given situation like i said there's been a number of times i'm like oh i'm in way over my head i'm not going to win this oh i totally pulled some cool thing off so anyway that's marvel's midnight suns i'm hooked on it but i also very angry at it and that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Bruce Green, it has been a delight chatting with you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you. Again, thank you for the invite. And I, I, thanks to your audience for even suggesting me because I had a feeling I would enjoy hanging out with you guys talking about video games. And I absolutely did. So please feel free to ask me anytime. I'd love to come back on. Oh, that will 100% happen again. Uh, but in the meantime, anytime. tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the cool stuff that you do online. Oh, yeah, it's on Twitch. Uh, it's just my name, Bruce Green. Uh, e on the end of Bruce and Green. And then you just go to Twitch. It's my name. Um, or YouTube. Or kind of anything else. TikTok, Twitter. It's all the same. Bruce Green. So, And I there do it go. every day. I'm, I'm actually literally going to leave this podcast and go straight to stream. <laughs> so oh my goodness. Well, yeah. well, we'll try to get you out of here quick so you can get, get to that. Uh, but we appreciate it. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? The, the Last of Us. Um, I talked about it earlier, Jeff. Um, hmm. folks can hmm. find that. It's almost Dave like Chen we had a whole be... place for plugs that you could just no, Je- look again. Call call me a shill if you must, but it's also what I've been playing, Jeff. I like uh-huh. it. Here's my here's my Ellie. Yeah, all right, right there. Yeah, hanging out with you don't me. Have to show me your Ellie. Oh, dude, I will. I will show you my Ellie and she will shoot an arrow through your throat. Okay. Cause she's a bad bee. Um, podcast.decoding TV. When those launch after the show starts, um, I'm very excited for that show. HBO's the last of us. Also, I have a newsletter, tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I write long form about video games, about one or two a month. It's the last one I sent out, which is actually this month. It was January. Um, I kind of went through my process for my favorites of the year, and I included my entire list that I ultimately had to pare down to five for our favorites of the year episode, but kind of how I keep track of games and what I, what all I was considering for this year. And you can find links to all of that stuff at my revamped via Squarespace, Jeff sent me, website, which you can find at christianspicer.com. Very cool. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I have other shows that you can check out as well, including the Filmcast, where we talk about movies and TV shows with the aforementioned Dave Chen and Devendra Hardwar. And I do a comedy science show called We Have quick Concerns. Pause. We have concerns. Sorry, I got my quick pause in too late. Your ten, your tens. You did your tens. You we did, did the, the top ten. Tens episode. Uh, yeah, it's a very fun episode. Uh, we did our uh, top ten um, of the year, and uh, it was a it was full of, of surprises, some arguing, uh, you know, all the stuff. It's fun. <laughs> it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. Uh, and then we did the we do an after dark there as well uh, with uh, cool uh, other categories. And we gave that away to the regular audience. It's usually for the patrons, but <clears throat> uh, check it out. Check it out. Filmcast. Also, um, I do We Have Concerns, a comedy science show with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And uh, back to doing the fan-controlled show over there uh, for fan-controlled sports and entertainment, uh, gearing up for season three of fan-controlled football and fan-controlled hoops is 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 
uh, revving up as well. So check that out on Twitch uh, or on YouTube or as a podcast, The Fan Controlled Show. All right. Hey, next you see uh, Anthony Carboni, you give him a big hug. I've known Anthony for years and years and years. Oh, awesome. I will do. I will do. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, please do. Uh, He's not a guy who likes hugs. But, uh, well, no, give him a hug then. Of course he did. I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, let's, uh, let's wrap the show up with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Bruce, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Um, yeah, if you haven't watched Wednesday on Netflix, I, pretty, I feel like everybody already has, but... I've watched it twice through because I loved it so much. And I wow. thought I would, I thought I was going to hate the show. I thought for sure. I was like, this, there's no way this show's great. It really is truly, really great. Uh, it's a great little show. To, it's super fun. It's like a nice murder mystery. It's nice and casual. Um, and uh, you'll just have a lot of fun to me. It's like kind of like a Tim Burton, Harry Potter. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, white Lotus. If you've not caught up on that on HBO max is, Yet another show that I was like, why do I like this show? And the more I watched the more I was like, man, this is, it's such a genius show. And there's two seasons of it. So it's really short. Uh, there's like six episodes in one season and seven episodes in another. And it's, again, this is a little more serious. There's kind of like, it actually deals with some issues that maybe are a little more uncomfortable. The drama is really great, uh, but it's just a masterful show. So White Lotus and Wednesday are both fantastic. If you've not seen them. Totally agree. Um, I always love this debate. I, I am of the opinion that White Lotus season two is better than season one. What, are you a season one or season two fan? I would agree. I th- uh, season two feels more like it has a direction to it, whereas season one felt very kind of like Mike White was still sort of getting his feet under him. He's like, doesn't know where the show's going to go because I didn't know where the show was going to go. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas season two feels very like there clearly is a murder mystery that we are trying yeah. to get to the end of. So, so satisfying. Uh, all right, Christian, what is your parting gift? Well, I was going to say Cameron is just like how I try to live my life. So that's why I really like um, season two. I'm a big Cam, Cam Stan. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Didn't expect that. All right. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> the, the, the biggest giga chat ever. Okay. Right. Does no wrong, you know? So I got, I got Cam Stan tattooed on my back. Um, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty great. Um Mine is also something to watch and is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which I think now is also on premium VOD for folks that don't want to go out to the theater for it. Um, Shrek has not aged well in terms of its animation, in my opinion. The first Toy Story, yes, the new Toy Story looks far better, but the first Toy Story still looks cheeky and fun and it's toys and I think it works. Um, the original Shrek uh, is aged incredibly poorly. I think in terms of its animation quality, Puss in Boots, the last wish is not the original Shrek. It is top tier quality animation and a really good story, far better than it had any business being. And you can check it out from the comfort of your own couch. If you're so inclined. All right, there you go. Uh, My parting gift is a TV show that is currently airing on Peacock peacock streaming service uh and it's called paul t goldman have either of you guys watched this yet i've seen the the previews a bunch because i i do have the peacock uh and i have not watched it i'm fascinated by it though and oh, i'm so yeah. excited so as of this recording we're recording sunday night i believe the fourth episode is happening tonight which I'm probably gonna watch after this maybe um 
So I've only seen three episodes so far. I don't know how many are total in the series that's coming out week to week. Three episodes in. I recommend this show. It is a uh, reality show such as it is uh, in that it is a uh, real people and is kind of a docu-series. Um, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't know where this is going, but it is a fascinating study of a person who went through a very interesting experience and is telling the tale. And uh, I don't know how reliable a narrator we have and but it is fascinating um it's all comedian like eps on it right I, I, uh, I, seth, the- seth rogan and uh evan goldman uh, goldberg uh, are uh, executive producers um yeah it's it, it is not like anything you've ever seen or excuse me i've ever seen i don't know what you've seen but i certainly don't think it's like anything i've i'm aware of it is dancing between, you know, documentary and behind the scenes footage and direct to camera and a sort of gotcha filmmaking. It is doing all these wild things at once. And you throughout the first three episodes, the third episode is really the rug pull episode uh, of like, oh, what's going on? But it never, you never kind of know what's going on and you never know how much is real and how much is not real. And man, it's something, it's something. Uh, so I highly recommend Paul T. Goldman. Uh, if you have, uh, it, I, I don't even subscribe to Peacock. I'm watching it with commercials, which is to show you how much I want to watch it. It's with commercials, uh, but it's, uh, it's worth watching. All right. Yeah, fascinating show. Uh, Bruce, I think you'll, be intrigued watch the first episode and see if you are are, are as hooked as i was um we also got listeners suggested party gift this was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com it comes from john uh john writes i've been following you since the early trs days jeff and been a listener since day one on dlc thank you john Uh, a while back you both talked about how you were unsure if something was on game pass or not well me and a mate recently made an app to help with that It checks both Game Pass and PS Plus Extra. Anyways, thought I'd send it over in case it was useful to you. Keep up the great work. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, which is a a quote I love. Um, This game, this app is called Game ID on the App Store. Uh, And this is a thing that'll tell you if a game is on Game Pass or PS Plus Extra, which I think is super useful and helpful. Um, and, And a listener made it. So check it out. Uh, again, you can find it by searching for Game ID on the App Store. Um, you know, we were we were just talking about High on Life being on Game Pass. And I have made the mistake where I purchased a thing and then realized it was either on Game Pass already or coming very shortly, and I kicked myself. So uh, don't be me. Uh, use this very handy-dandy app. I will also say, PSA for listeners, uh, very awesome game is leaving Game Pass very shortly. Uh, and the game just leapt out of my head. What is it? Um, oh, Nobody uh, nobody Saves the World, which was on my uh, my Games of the Year list. Uh, nobody Saves the World is leaving Game Pass. So play it while it's on Game Pass uh, so you don't have to buy it or buy it. You know, see if I care. <laughs> All right. Thank you, John. Um, if you would like to have your 
recommendation read at the end of our show, send it to us. Send us your parting gift at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Bruce Green and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the awesome bumpers. Thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold for our theme song. Thanks to uh, our patrons for supporting us and making this show possible. In particular, our hype train level patrons get their names read out at the end of every episode which I'm going to do right now. It's a whole new year here at DLC, and we want to thank our hype train patrons now more than ever. Patrons like Wonder Rob, Tyler Broad, Steven Seifert, Kevin Ede, Joe DeFrank, Brian Yordan, Hyperboy66, Scott Lambert, Sure You Can, David F., Comedian Aaron Trahan, John Sisko, Curtis from Louisville, Relentless Rex, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce, Michael S., Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Anthony Goulas, Rob Rickman, Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob, Adam Denby, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Victor Valenzuela, Matt Bradley, Chris Zacharias, Jeff Luxack, Mitchell Ness, Jonathan Putney, Will with 1L Harris, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Ben, Scott Hughes, Stu Goss, Jenny, Kevin Brazel, Nate, Zachary White, Jonathan Spiceman Forever Schlepfer, Albert of the Stuff and Junk Show Podcast, Yick, Soren Silk, The Spiceman Silencer, Travis, Mike Lombardo, Michael Buck, Jackson, Michael Stadler, Nick Strauss-Klein, Josh Peak, Peter Olberg, Jad, Christian Bravery, Taylor Wigert, Octavian Ratziu, and Jason Novak. Thanks to all of you for supporting the show in such a huge way. We're excited for 2023, and it's all because of you. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.